Tonight we're going to take a look at two very, very familiar passages. And I hope that after tonight, you will look at those passages just a little bit differently. Because they are really two sides of the same coin. And we're going to begin in Genesis chapter 2. And in Genesis chapter 2, we're going to begin with verse 18. Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. So God says it's not good that man is alone. He's going to make man a helpmeet, someone who compliments him, someone who makes him better. Someone, to me, it's like ironing, iron sharpening iron. Okay? So God, the Lord says, I want to make him a helpmeet. And out of the ground, the Lord formed every beast of the field, every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. So notice that God says, I'm going to make him a helpmeet. Then he says, out of the ground, God formed every beast of the field, every fowl of the air, brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. Now, why did God give Adam so much authority? Well, back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God says, let's make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowls of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth. So in other words, God gave man the authority over the earth. So God gave man the authority, so man had the right and the authority to name the animals or the creatures. Verse 20, and Adam gave names to all cattle, to all the fowl of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helpmeet for him. But for Adam, there was not found a helpmeet for him. Who didn't find a helpmeet? Adam. All the beasts of the field, all the cattle paraded before him. He gave them names, but among all of them, he did not find a helpmeet. But there was not found a helpmeet for him. Okay? Pick it up in verse 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. So the verse says he took one of his ribs, and after taking the rib, he closed up the flesh. Okay, he bandaged the wound. <laughs> okay, it was after surgery. He took, he bandaged the wound. The point I want to make about this whole issue of the rib, we know that when King James was looking at the Hebrew, was looking at the English, they only had certain words that they had access to at that time. And they used the words that they had access to to try to describe what the Hebrew and the Greek were saying, okay? Now, we know that God did not take an actual rib, okay? Because we know that in order to reproduce woman from man, he had to have something else. And that something else is what we now know as DNA, okay? DNA... And it's so interesting to me. It carries the genetic information and instructions 
for the development, functioning, growth, and reproduction of all known organisms and many viruses. That's what DNA does. It carries the instructions. So God simply took some of Adam's DNA, which had all the instructions in it, for building another human. You with me? Okay? And so the Bible says, and the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept and took one of his ribs, took some of his DNA, and closed up the flesh thereof. And the DNA, which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman and brought her unto man. So God took the DNA from Adam and used it to make woman. Now, this is significant because the wording says God took, God had taken, and the rib which God had taken from man made he a woman. You see that word from? It's the, in the Hebrew, it's the word men-ni, M-I-N-N-E-E. -E. It is the exact, it's the equivalent to the Greek word in the New Testament of the word ek, which means origin or source. Origin or source. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Ye are of God. Ye are ek. God. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So we are of God. We are born of God. God is our source. God is our beginning. He is the source of our new nature. Here, this word from communicates the same thing. It is from Adam that God was able to make the woman. And this tells me, ladies and gentlemen, that in order to bring woman into existence, Adam had to give up something. He had to give up part of himself. Okay? All of this is significant, and all of this is important, and we're going to get to it. So, God needed the DNA of the husband, Adam, in order to bring his bride, Eve, into existence. Do you see this? He used the DNA of, his, of the husband in order to bring Eve, the bride, into existence. Okay? Remember, DNA says that it carries the genetic instructions for the development, functioning, growth, reproduction of all known organisms and viruses. Verse 22, verse 23. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bone. Flesh of my flesh, she shall, call, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Man was the source of her beginning. Now, bone of my bone is significant. Okay? Bone of my bone is significant. In the bone, there is, there is bone marrow. Okay? Bone marrow. And bone marrow is a solid tissue that's formed in portions of the bone. Okay? The, in the bone marrow is where blood is produced. In the bone marrow is where blood is produced. So in the bone is where the blood is produced. Bone of my bone. Okay? And 
The bone marrow is also found in the ribs, the vertebrae, the sternum, and in the bones of the pelvis. Now, I mention this because we know that when God formed made man, he breathed into him the breath of life, and man became a living soul after God breathed into him the breath of life. Now, God's life was breathed into a body that was designed to function with blood. Are you following me? Okay? Because Leviticus chapter 17 verse 11 tells us that the life is in the blood. The life is in the blood. If you don't have blood, your spiritual man has no place to dwell because your body is going to be dead. <laughs> you follow me? So, when Adam says, this is now bone of my bone, you could, all, you could read it like this. This is now blood of my blood. This is now blood of my blood. Because she has my DNA, and she is a replica of me in a different way. Okay? Very simply, Stephen is bone of my bone. He is bone of my bone. The blood that flows through his body started with Barry. So, and the DNA started with Barry. So he is bone of my bone. Okay? I thought about that because there is a movie that I really, really enjoy. And it's called The Rainmaker. And The Rainmaker is based on a novel by an attorney, and a health insurance company, a health, an insurance company, has denied coverage for a patient, for a client who needs a bone marrow transplant. Okay? Needs a bone marrow transplant. The, the bone marrow that he had is now cancerous, so it needs to be replaced. And if it is not replaced with new bone marrow, he will die. Okay? So that shows you how important marrow is as part of who we are. And so Adam said that she is now bone of my bone, blood of my blood. You often hear blood is thicker than water. That's kind of where that, that, that saying came from. Now, verse 24 says, so we have, we have seen here so far that there would Woman would not exist without man being first in existence. Because God had to have the man in order to take from him the DNA that he could use to build the woman. That's, that's the way I'm going to use that word. Now, it says in verse 24, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Leaving the father and the mother. And when I read that, I thought about how when a man and a woman decide that they are going to get married, there is a process that takes place first. They have to come into agreement that this is what they want to do. They have to come into agreement that this is going to be 
part of what they do in terms of both sides leaving their families. And when they leave their father and their mother, they are leaving one family to create a new family. They're leaving one family to create a new family. They're leaving the familiar to go into the unfamiliar. Okay? Keep all of that in mind because it's going to come into play in a few minutes. So when a, when a husband and a wife, a man and a woman, agree to get married, then they become, when they get married, one flesh. Okay? Now, the interesting thing about the one flesh, we understand what it means when, it's, when the phrase is used on the, as a physical, in the physical realm. We understand that. But I think about that in terms of before Adam could have a relationship with Eve, he first had to have a relationship with God. Okay? After he had his relationship with God, then he had his relationship with Eve. Are you following me? Because, see, marriage only works at its core, at its best, when both individuals have a relationship with God. That's when marriage works at its optimal, when both individuals have a relationship with God. So Adam had a relationship with God first, then Eve, after she was formed, made and created, had a relationship with God. So you had one individual, Adam, one individual, Eve. They came together to become one flesh. Okay? So mathematically, one plus one equals one. Are you following me? One plus one equals one. Because when Adam and Eve came together and became one flesh, they, be they became one in purpose. They became one in the things that they want to accomplish and things that were going to be too important to both of them. One plus one equals one. Okay? Now turn to Ephesians with me. Going to look at the New Testament version of Genesis. The New Testament version of Genesis. We're going to read several verses to get to the primary verse I'm looking for. And also remember that in Genesis, God said that man should not be alone, that he needed a helpmeet. Okay? He needed a helpmeet. In, in Ephesians chapter 5, let's begin with verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. And that's important. When we get to where we're going. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. So we see the standard. You love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. 
so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, and of his flesh, and of his bones. Does that sound familiar? Remember we read that back in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24? Okay. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So we see here in Ephesians that it says in verse 30, for we are members of, and that word of is the word we talked about before, is ek, means source of, its origin. We are members of his body. We are members of his flesh, and we are members of his bones. Now, remember when we read, in, if, if what we are reading is the spiritual side of what we read back in Genesis, then what we are reading here in Ephesians is what God has looked for, wanted all along from his people. Okay? So when we look at verse 30, it says, his body, his flesh, his bones. And remember in Genesis chapter 3, chapter 2, verse 23, 24, it says, bone of my bones. Okay? The Bible says that the blood of Jesus was shed for us. Okay, the blood of Jesus was shed for us. So bone of my bone, okay, his blood was shed for us. So the life that was in him was shed to give us life. Okay. So bone of my bones, the DNA the spiritual DNA in Jesus' bone is what gives us life. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. God needed the DNA of the husband, Jesus, in order to bring his bride, the church, into existence. God needed the blood, the DNA of Jesus, in order to bring the bride into existence. And how did God get Jesus' DNA? He shed his blood on the cross. He shed his blood on the cross. And the whole reason for Jesus doing that is just like Adam giving his DNA so that he could have Eve and they could be one flesh. And here in Ephesians chapter 30, the Chapter 5, verse 30, it also says, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bone. So the purpose of Jesus dying on the cross was to be able to give life to a bride, just like Adam gave life to his bride. Are you following where I'm going? So Jesus gave life to his bride. Just like Adam gave life to his bride, God needed the DNA of the husband, Jesus, in order to bring the bride, the church, into existence. Again, one Jesus plus us, one equals one. That's the whole purpose. For us to be one with Jesus, like Adam was one with Eve, in purpose, in focus, 
in everything. Our heart's desire should be, should be the same as Jesus' heart's desire. That should be our heart's desire because we are one with him. One plus one equals one. In the same way that God created, or in the same way that God said that Adam needed a helpmate, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus, if we're following the analogy, we are his helpmate. If we are following that analogy, we are his helpmate. Because what we do for him complements what he's already done for us. Because now we can also bring people to him. We compliment him that way. So we are his helpmate. Without us, the world will never know Jesus. That's how we are his helpmate. We are the bride. We, the church is the bride. We are the helpmate. One of the things that... I think it's so important about Ephesians chapter 5, verse 30, is how Satan has tried to minimize the connection between Genesis and Ephesians, between what we, re what we read in Genesis and what we read in Ephesians. I have on my phone 67 translations. Never use 90% of them. Never even, never even opened them. Probably 16 of them I have looked at from time to time, and I'm somewhat familiar with them. Of those 16, the most well-known are the English Standard Version, the Contemporary English Version, the American Standard Version, the New England trans the New English translation, the New Literal translation, the um, National Association Study Standard Bible, the New Revised Standard Bible, very familiar Bibles that we know, the Holman Christian Bible, the NIV, and the Amplified Bible. Every single one omit that verse. Every single one. And I know that, you know, pastors already talked about Wednesday night, the importance of the King James. And see, when I read that, there are so few people, ladies and gentlemen, who depend on the King James as their primary Bible. Many like the, new, the, the, the NIV, Many like uh, the New English Translation. Many prefer the Amplified Bible. The King James, I don't matter how you view it, what you think about it, it is the most accurate translation that we have. It has some issues. All of them do. But it is the most accurate that we have because what King James did, King James looked at the Hebrew, King James looked at the Greek, and King James just translated what they saw, the King James translators. And 
If there's something that they didn't see, they added the little squiggly lines, squiggly words, to try to help us make sense of it. Okay? I say all that to say this. If you are using a Bible, other than the King James as your primary text, you are not getting what you should be getting if you're not using it. And let me tell you how bad this is. First John chapter 5 says, First John chapter 5 verse 7 says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. The Bibles that I just mentioned to you, they say, for there are three that bear record, period. They leave out the rest of that verse. So, if you are not using King James, you don't have all the Bible. <laughs> you don't have all of the Bible. Okay? And, and the NIV goes, is so bad that it takes Mark chapter 16 and it ends it with verse 8. Verses 9 through 20, I believe it is, are omitted completely. Or they'll pull a little asterisk that says it's not verifiable or something like that according to the oldest text and all this kind of stuff. Okay? If we are going to be one with Jesus, if we are going to be one with each other as a church, then it's going to hinge on what we believe. What we are obedient to. If we are going to be one. Because we are his church. So the church is one. The church is one. I see Neil. I see everybody else. But the church is one. We are supposed to be one in what we believe in what we do. Jesus plus the church equals one. But if we are not on the same page when it comes to doctrine, when it comes to what the Bible says, when it comes to what we believe, we are not going to be one. And if we are not one, then how can Jesus work through us if we are not one. Okay? I want to close with chapter, uh, John chapter 17. Very familiar scripture. Just to drive this point home. Because the whole point of me going through Genesis and Ephesians was to read a few verses in John chapter 17. We're going to read verse 8. Verse 8 says, for I, Jesus is talking about the disciples, the apostles. He says, for I have given them the words which thou gavest me. Okay, Jesus gave them, he has given us the words that God gave to him. Look at the next phrase, because the next phrase is make it or break it. They have received them. That word received means that they have taken the word, they understand what they, have, what they have taken, and they are acting on what they have received. 
Okay. They have received them and they have known surely that I came out from thee and they have believed that thou didst send me. That thou didst send me. Everything else that we're going to read in the rest of this chapter, which is only three or four verses, hinges on verse eight. Receiving what Jesus said. And believing what he said. Okay, look at look at verse 11. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep them. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be what? One, as we are one. Jesus plus us equals one. Just like Jesus plus the Father equaled one. Okay? Jump to verse 20. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee. So we are to be one in Jesus, as Jesus is one in the Father. One plus one equals one. Because, see, Jesus and the Father are already one. So we're joining and becoming one. That they all may be one as thou father art in me and I in thee that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that thou hast sent me and the glory which thou gavest me I have given to them why did he give it to us that they may be one even as we are one that they may be one even as we are one this is prophetic we know that we know that so when I read verse 22, my mind goes to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 30. That's the image that I have. That they may be one, even as we, as we are one. I in them, thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one. Perfect in one. And that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. So the only way, ladies and gentlemen, that the world is going to know that Jesus has that that God has sent Jesus and Jesus has sent us is when we are one with Him. When we are one with Him, and being one with Him goes back to verse eight. For I have given them the words which Thou hast given me; they have received them. The word "received" is lambano, lambano, L-A-M-B-A-N-O. It means to receive into manifestation, receive into actually doing it. They have received them and have known surely, have known surely, there is no doubts that I came out from thee and that they, believe, they have believed that thou didst send me. One plus one equals one. When we take what Jesus has given to us, we receive it into our lives and live it out then truly one plus one equals one because then we cannot be separated from Jesus. We cannot be separated from Jesus. Amen? Let's begin. We're going to spend a few minutes in prayer. I'm going to start the clock, about 30 minutes, and then I'll be back. <laughs>